You're listening to a Big MX Radio Podcast. Brought to you by Arma Energy. Presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Just One Helmets, and Bill's Pipes. I am your host, as usual, is Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we've got a couple of my favorite friends, uh, one of the best photographers in motocross. He's got a cover on the motocross action, and he goes by the name of Mike Sweeney. What's going on, Mike? Currently unemployed, too. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, everyone. Uh, How are you? The very unemployed Mike Sweeney. Uh, he's also taking uh, any jobs if you're living in the uh, photography jobs. New- hashtag hire me. <laughs> ha- hashtag hire him. Uh, and uh, a motocross uh, enthusiast, a historian, and lover of all things two wheels, three wheels, four wheels, and he goes by the name of the Fat Cat, Tony Blazer. How's it going? I'm about to hang up. <laughs> fat cat. Oh, the fat that's... cat's in the house. Oh, you know, we need to not make that a thing. I think we need to drop that right now. Oh, we, we might have to drop that from this going, oh, going forward, yeah. but you I'm have not... to admit on every podcast that you did, in fact, own a Honda fat cat. I did. You should just own that. You should just own that and be proud of it. You should just it. own it. The, the more I protest, the more the, the worse it'll get. Probably. Honestly, like it's going to become like a dungy diesel thing. Like the less you want to be the fat cat, the more you become the fat cat. <laughs> oh my God. That's terrible, man! I don't know if I can live that. Way. Holy crap. <laughs> Hashtag Garfield. Yeah, exactly. I do like lasagna though, so I'm down with him. There we go. There we go. It's all tying together. Boys, uh, we didn't talk uh, enough during the off season. Uh, Tony, I was able to have you on uh, last week to do a little bit of a preview for the Supercross series. Just give our thoughts because uh, as we figure, uh, by watching all of these uh, pre-race shows and, and all the introspection and breaking all these things down, most of these uh, these so-called experts know just about as much as we do when it comes to uh, predicting so these shows. So, uh um, all the more reason for us to get together to have a conversation, do some bench racing, and um, and, and just chat moto. Awesome. Well, look forward to getting your, your take on all things Supercross. Obviously, we are one week removed from Anaheim 1. And, uh, and Tony, the first thing i got to ask you is, uh, what's your overall impression? How are you feeling uh, about basically uh, the hype coming into the series, the product on the television, and um, and expectations met? Because as far as I'm concerned, uh, I kind of went away from the television on Saturday night feeling like uh, there 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 just wasn't a whole lot there. Well, I mean, I, I will say this: I thought that. Uh... RC, 
uh, on the sidelines is pretty lean. I didn't think he was doing a great job with that. And, uh, I don't think he's yes. a great booth reporter, but I think he's even worse on the sidelines. He's kind of doing like a Tony Saragusa thing, uh, which would be you know, like you see in football. And I, I don't think that that's definitely uh, where he's best. Counts are best being used. You know, he's probably better in the booth, but uh, but you have to have him somewhere. You know, I, quite frankly, I think the show's quite better just with him uh, and uh, Shaheen. Um, I was bummed to see the pylon was back again for 2016. That that sucked. Uh, I think the overall show wasn't too bad. Um, yeah, pretty much the same as last year. Right? I will say that other than the uh, pylon thing, I think the overall presentation of the show is pretty decent. You know, you can see most of what happens. And, uh, and they, I wish he was a little more... I guess detail-oriented with what's going on on the track. I agree with you know, Matt sometimes he talks about how he doesn't really get into the details of what's happening. I think actually Langston does a much better job in the outdoors as far as, for my money, uh, as, a, as a color guy uh, during the broadcast. He seems to add a little more to it. Jeff always seems to be pretty generic in what he has to say. It doesn't really get into the in-depth stuff very much. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, your color guy is supposed to be the character. He's supposed to be the John Madden, the, uh, the John Gruden, the... Um, uh, like uh, Bob Euchre, Bob Euchre, any of those Bob guys Uecker. who <laughs> add a little bit of something to the broadcast and uh, give you tidbits that you you may not be in tune with by just being a casual fan. And um, yeah, I totally agree. If Carmichael's going to be anywhere, it's sitting next to Jeff in the booth. But uh, yeah, uh, I think the, the ultimate solution to uh, to where to put Ricky is mostly most likely. Uh, in the manager's tower or in the uh, the owner's suite up uh, uh, eating chicken wings or whatever he, he likes to do because honestly doesn't uh, neither one of them uh, offers a huge amount to the broadcast. Uh, I would like to see someone that with just a little bit more um, personality and brings some more professionalism as far as broadcasting goes. Like These guys, obviously, they're racers. They're not supposed to be amazing at this, but uh, at broadcasting, that's not their main function. But at the same time, I watch to be entertained, and I, wa- I watch because I want to be informed. And uh, I-, I know who these guys are. Like it's To me, it's it's not overly special to hear uh, Jeff Emig breaking down a motocross track. Like, it- Am I totally off base here, Mike? You know, as a kid who used to get TV Guide every week and flip through it to see if there was a committee motocross on, looking for ABC's live world of sports coverage of the Carlsbad USGP once a year, I will never complain about Moto being live on TV. <laughs> Fair That's enough. Fair enough. That's a good point. You know, I, you know, it is what it is. It's, um, you know, I like Jeff. I think he does a good job. I know a lot of people don't like Ricky. Um, you know, you who I'd really like to see. Uh, do some moto coverage. I think he'd be awesome at it. Is uh, is Nick Way? Um, gosh, no, he has plenty of time now. So um, I hope somebody gives him that opportunity because I do think he kind of. I think he'd be good. He's got the personality and uh, yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? Totally agree. Um, I think uh, Nick Way would be a perfect fit. Uh, he's got that. Um, 
uh, dry sense of humor. He's got a well of knowledge. He's got that memory for all these things. I think he, he spent enough time in the different areas of the sport to have some knowledge of the fa- the full factory effect, the the privateer end of things, as well as uh, he's a guy who knows the motorcycle inside and out. I can't think of a of a, more, a guy better suited to be in the booth than uh, than Nick Way. Maybe like uh, the only one I, I would consider to be uh, on par would be a Kevin Windham. What are your thoughts there, uh, Tony? You know, it's funny. I was actually going to say that right before you said it. I know when uh, Wyndham was in the booth a couple years ago, it was the year he retired early, but I thought he did a great job. Uh, he sat in, I guess, with Ricky for a few rounds. And I thought he did a great job. He's very colorful. I think Nick would be great as well. You know, you need somebody who is going to bring a little something different to it. You know, that's what, like you're saying, the color guy. And I think Langston does a good job of that. And, I, you know, to Mike's point, I always say the same thing. I, I agree 100%. I tease about thinking the pile on and stuff. But, you know, as a kid, yeah, you couldn't watch Supercross on TV. It wasn't even on. And even when it was, sometimes it was three months after the fact. So we did get a little spoiled with that. But in general, if we're going to be fair, you can always try to strive to be better. And um, I don't think they do a bad job, but I do wish sometimes they brought a little more to the table in terms of the technical knowledge and the inside information that somebody like Jeff could share if he chose to. Yeah, just like um, the other thing that like if we're going to just like talk a little bit about the broadcast is that like these guys, they watch this stuff year in, year out. I don't know how many times, how many years in a row we've had Ralph Sheen as our as our uh, play by play announcer. But I can count no less than five times during the, the broadcast where he gets the one of the top five people wrong. Like. For at least four laps during the first uh, heat race, he was almost 100% certain that it was uh, um, Purcell out front, or in in the top five. He was kept saying, it's Purcell, it's Purcell. It was for, like, the the 21 couldn't have been bigger. (laughs) And I'm like, like, like Was it Christoph Purcell on the white husky? (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things, like, I'm like, it's 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 Anderson. It's 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 for sure Anderson, or I guess he did it with a couple other. Or he he does not know the difference between uh, Jordan Smith and uh, and what's his name there, uh, Christian Craig. He will get that wrong all year long. I understand that they're only one number different, but I, me watching on my fifty inch scre- uh, flat screen TV, I can tell. Yeah, no, you well, gotta know that. I mean, in fairness, though, I mean the guy probably does have. You know, somebody talking in the gym the whole time. I mean, there's a lot going on. You're right. He could be, he could be uh, a little more detail-oriented. I guess, but uh, let, let's let's break down these races a little bit. Uh, everyone else has broken it down. Let's do the same. Let's uh, break, go straight into the freeze pike battle. Uh, and I'm just going to ask two of you a very simple question. Um, starting with Tony, what the fuck is wrong with Vince Freeze? Wow. Right, that was for that. You know, the guy, uh, there's no problem. I have no problem with somebody being aggressive. I love David Hatchaw. I love those chicken battles back in the day, you know, Rubbin's race and all that. It's pretty entertaining. I have no problem with that. I have more of an issue with uh, cross-jumping guys and some of the nonsense that Emmett uh, was famous for back in the day. And that I don't have any tolerance for. That's obviously it really, really hurt somebody. Um, 
you know, I think if you ask Vince, he thinks he's just aggressive. But I'm sorry, if you're constantly getting involved in these issues, uh, I think you need to, to look at the way you're behaving on the track. You know, it's, I thought I didn't think the first issue, the first takeout or incident, what was the takeout? The first incident with Weston was that bad. I mean, he was kind of pushed a little wide. There's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly fine. I thought the second one. Uh, particularly in light of the fact that he'd already taken it out once, was way too aggressive. Uh, it was a path that most people will say you're probably not going to make without you know, dropping the guy. And I don't know that you have to do that, you know. It just seemed, it seemed a bit extreme to me, and Ben seems to find some of these issues and these situations over and over again. Absolutely. Like, uh, the, the reaction from Pike... If like if either one of those uh, incidents were separate, like if one did not happen with the other, uh, I like his reaction is is totally um, like there's no excuse for it, and you could still argue that there isn't much excuse for what he still did at like at, with the two of them together. But um, the fact that Freeze knew that there was probably some bad bad blood. He knows that there's some history between the two, and still decides to throw it in there during the semi. You're kind of asking for it, and um, I, I think that uh, it was like it was it was just bound to happen. Mike, um, was Pike in the wrong by by basically letting his emotions boil over and uh, and and eventually start throwing some haymakers? My first thought was, why is he punching him in the helmet? It's going to hurt yeah. his hand. Um, but yeah, you can't do that as a professional racer. Not in front of 60,000 people. Um, you know, I, I think a lot has been said about this already as far as they should have taken it, you know, under the stadium or back to the pits. But my guess is that Vince would have, you know, would have been like a, when Weston and Barsha almost went at it, was it two years ago or last year, and Justin wanted no part of it. Um, and I'm guessing it would have been the same thing again. But, uh, yeah, I, it's... You know, part part of being a professional is not letting your emotions get away from you, and uh, Weston definitely could have done a better job there. Uh, um, you know, and I know there's a there's a lot of blood between the two of them, and you know, in Weston's mind, uh, you know, Vince is out there trying to hurt not only him but other people, and he just kind of wanted to put a stop to it. So, you know, I understand that it's a little frontier justice. But he's he uh, you know look what it cost him, uh, and it's you know that's not sure. worth it there. You know, you wait. Your it's just like hockey. You know, you you, you take his number and you wait until he uh, it doesn't. And, you know, you, you wait until his head's down and then you blast him coming across the blue line. You know, so that's what you got to do. Just like you know. just like Scott Stevens used to do. Exactly. Um, Tony, like, uh, do you think this is something that we're going to see more of going forward? I think it's been talked about a few different times that these are two guys that are going to be finding themselves next to each other on the racetrack for the next 16 races going forward, or I guess 15 races throughout the rest of this season. Um, like, where do you see this escalating to? Do you feel like Weston will boil over again? Do you think Pike will continue to to jab at him? Where, where do you see this little rivalry moving forward over the next fifteen races? Well, I got to think unless they're both idiots, they would not find themselves involved in anything like this again. You think that Weston, you know, he's definitely uh, can have the eye of uh, AMA on him after this situation, and so is Ned. So they would be very, very foolish, I would think. To, with each other at all. I mean, 
then obviously has a try. He didn't get suspended for this, but he's got a track record of being involved in this stuff. And then Weston, he's not going to get the race this weekend because of it. I'm sure that's going to cost him. And I mean, it wasn't like uh, he was Damon Bradshaw, a prodigy coming up. He's a guy who knows what it's like to not have a ride, knows what it's like to not have a good contract. And I'm sure he's been made clear by JGR and Toyota and all these guys that fly that sponsor him that it's not acceptable. Even though I certainly understand why he did it, and I'm not so sure in the same situation, I wouldn't want to touch the crap out of the guy either. You have to do, have to realize, you know, where you are at that time that you're on television, you're in front of 60,000 people, you can't just you know, start throwing punches. I would be really surprised. I think they'll both go out of their way to not have anything like this happen again. Well, uh, on in my opinion, with the two incidents that, like, if you're if you are a uh, a seasoned motocross enthusiast, like, uh, or even a referee, like, uh, say, a John Gallagher or anyone else uh, from the FIM would be, you would be able to see the two events that happened and and and, and see the malicious intent that Vince Freeze had. The first one, maybe a little bit less, but the second one's blatant, like. If I'm if I'm the FIM, if I'm Feld, if I'm John Gallagher, I'm taking uh, some some cash out of uh, Vince Freeze's pocket as well because that's going to hurt him more than anything. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly understand that. I mean, th- there's no reason to allow that to go on. You know, they want to try. Here's the thing: there's a there's a double-edged sword there because you know full well that Feld and the guys promoting the series love that stuff. Uh, they love showing yes. that takeout of you know, tickled by Alessi. It's in all the highlights. Look, I mean, look at Fox. They had it on their, uh, like, Instagram and Twitter, like, right away. So they love that stuff. There's yeah. reason they used to sell that, yeah. you know, fill, thrill, spills, and chills, and videos. So they love that, whether they'll say it or not. But AMA and FIM and all these guys, they're trying to keep it from turning into pro wrestling, so they want to try and turn it down as much as possible. So I think you're, you're, you're serving two mistresses there. So... It's hard to know exactly how hard they're pushing to not have it. It's just like um, you ever hear that Eddie Ray story where they had that big blow on arena cross, and my kid is, oh, yeah, we don't want this, but secretly he's like, yeah, we love this. And I think that's probably yeah. what's going on there, you know. Yeah, so, so somewhere someone is silently smirking that uh, that this this went uh, went wrong and bad at the same time. Yeah, I mean, look, it was on ESPN, it was on, you know, yeah. CNN and Fox Sports. I mean, it was main side people that, at my work, that don't even follow motocross talking about it. I mean, don't know anything about it. And that that's that's good for the sport in one way, and then it gets people at least to look at it. Uh, it probably makes it seem more like, you know, a bunch of rednecks brawling, but it still gets people at least talking about it. So whether they want to, they probably don't want to admit it because it wouldn't be politically correct, but I think, honest to God, they probably they probably like that kind of stuff. I mean, they don't they don't Fair stop enough. people yeah. in hockey from fighting. I mean, it's even though yeah, maybe it looks a little you know ridiculous at times. They don't stop it because at one level, it's it's good for the sport. It is good for the sport, and you know what? Fighting in hockey is uh, um, like you. 
some people argue it's part of the game. Some people argue that it's not part of the game. I am an advocate of that it's part of entertainment, and hockey in itself is entertainment. And there, there's the reason. The reason why you'll never see fighting ever leave hockey 100% is when you see a hockey fight happen, and everyone in the state stands is standing up to see what happens. Maybe they're not encouraging the fight, but. It's, it's something primal that when you see something like that, you want to stand up, you want to see what's going on, and uh, um, hats off to anyone who will uh, stand on blades of steel on, uh, on some flat ice and punch another man in the face. That's, you know, it's really interesting. I, I, I don't love watching it. I'm not a big hockey fan. I just thought it was kind of crazy. They let it go on. But I understand it's part of the, part of the appeal to people who are into that, you know? Plus, the girls love it, Tony. Oh, there you go. Everybody, you go Maybe they should bring it into Supercross. You know, it's that uh, they're always talking about how hockey is kind of polices people from playing dirty. Maybe they need to. Uh, maybe they need to let it come into Supercross a little bit. What do you think? Uh, I'm not sure, really sure how you'd pa- penalize that. Like it would be a, uh, <laughs> a, a five-second penalty for a uh, for a, 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 a fight. Uh, I think the two the two combatants would end up being last and second last anyway. Um, but uh, definitely worth considering if uh, <laughs> if the, the guys want to make some money, uh, maybe doing a little bit of Fight Club afterwards. There you go. I mean, to Mike's to Mike's point, you're more likely to hurt your hand throwing punches. You know, <laughs> you already hurt the other guy. Yeah, I'm amazed he didn't break his hand. I mean, he's hitting on the look like the back edge of the helmet. Yeah, and it, he was swinging with, sure with anger. Yeah, Weston Pike has a concrete fist, though. Like he's he's Chuck Norris on a dirt bike. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we we've gone over the the Pike freeze thing. I think that the uh, the discipline was a little bit too much on Pike. I thought five thousand dollars and the rest of the night off is okay. A full race out, uh, I think it kind of hurts him. Uh, his stock uh, as to keep his his uh, his ride going forward, but overall, um, it, it's 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 put, it's to bed now. Next thing on the docket would be um, Stu. Dot dot dot. Like that's all we have to talk about is James Stewart. Uh, he he was gone from the series for a full year. We didn't know really uh, what to expect from him coming back. And uh, the guy went out and uh, went for a nap. Um, Tony, is this the end of Stu? Ooh, ooh. I, I don't think it's the end of him when he's going to retire, I wouldn't think, unless he has serious post-concussion issues from it. Um, you got to think, though, how many times has the guy hit his head? Somebody, we've seen him plenty of times hit it on television, on during the races, and you know that I mean, most of those crashes those guys have are probably on a Wednesday afternoon or something. It. So you, you got to wonder how many times he had hit the deck really hard, and how long he could keep doing that without having long-lasting repercussions. You know, and it'll be curious. I'd be amazed if he died this weekend because I mean, he he looked like he was you know out out as soon as he hit the ground. He was Tweety Bird time, and usually don't you don't bounce back. Now I've done it a couple of times, and I know. I, I didn't feel right for weeks afterwards, you know. Like, I wouldn't definitely not have wanted to go out there and push the envelope, you know, four or five days after hitting my head that hard. You know, it's definitely not good. Hmm. And, uh, 
as far as Mike, if 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 Stu is to remain healthy for the rest of the season, where does he end up? Like, what did you see from him that gives you any indication that he's going to be a, a title challenger or even a, a race winner challenging guy? Are we going to say that he's racing this weekend? As far as answering that question, I would say I would say he's racing. I I. I would put uh, a, a generous sum of money down to think that uh, James Stewart is going to try and race this weekend. I would say 100% healthy Stew times the next 15 rounds. I think you could put him in somewhere in a 5-8 to eight range overall, 5th to 8th place overall. Let's say somewhere in there. Fair enough. So you're figuring some, some DNFs, maybe a win, and yeah, rinse, yeah. lather, repeat. There's going to be some atrophy with the rest of the field. I mean, there always is. Look at last year. Uh, but, yeah, I think Stu still has the magic, and I think we saw that. I mean, he he made a slight mistake just at the exact wrong time. I think it was kind of some bad luck on his part. Uh, you know, and he had no idea that Dunge was there. And if you watch the replay, it looked to me like Dunge's rear wheel just barely clipped that little bump going into the corner. He was kind of nose-wheeling into the corner. Um, he looked like he was a little kicked up. Yeah, it looked like he was a little kicked out sideways, too. Um, or maybe that was just him trying to brake really hard. He was just on the front brake real hard. It could have been either. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's just one thing. I thought, I thought Stu, uh, I thought he looked great. And, uh, you know, just a bad timing, racing incident. You know, I think Dunge felt pretty bad about it. Yeah, I, I definitely, there's no malicious intent there. Um, it's just one of those things, uh, he came in hot, yep. Stu turned down, it's a it's a, the perfect storm for, for Stu to get hit, and, and when he did, uh, he was uh, he went for a nap immediately, and it's it, it just uh, it's a bad turn of events. I would like to see him be successful the rest of the year. I've, I've made it known that I am a Stuart fan. I like the way he rides a motorcycle. I could watch that guy in an empty stadium by himself all day long. Um, but that that's one of the most frustrating parts about being a Stuart fan is that uh, you're going to get the great and you're going to get the not-so-great. Yep. Um, Tony, what's the most frustrating part about Stuart? Wow. Um, that's a tough question. I mean, early on, I did not like his, the lack of respect he seemed to show to people on the track, but that seems to have you know, toned down with age a little bit. I would say the stuff that bothers me the most is some of the other nonsense that goes on. It seems like I, I never liked the fact that if he had a slight injury or something, he would just pull out of the series instead of just trying to tough it out. That always killed me a little bit. But, you know, like what, two years ago, I guess, he hurt his knee at the beginning and toughed it out the whole way. So even that's gotten better. I've become more of a Stewart fan over time. You know, I, I really couldn't stand him at first, but... Um, I'd just say probably the, the nonsense that goes on with the guy. There always just seems to be some stuff with his entourage or stuff going on off the track or something that's, that seems to follow him in his camp. You know? Are you trying to say that you don't have the complete box set of uh, Bubba's World? That would be <laughs> a correct statement. Well, in my opinion, uh, one of the one of the most biggest reasons why Stu is so parallel. Par- uh, uh, polarizing is that he had so many fans uh, coming into the rank, like, as he came into the pro ranks, uh, and even um, 
the uh, the first series he was ever in was a small microcosm of his entire career. Like the the 2002, uh, was it West Coast, or East Coast? He was West. West Coast. West yeah. Coast series yeah. uh, with with Preston. Like he won races, dead last. Crashes a ton in Dallas. The race, the series is over, um, and that, that, that kind of been somewhat continued all throughout his career. And you've got these these guys like you. If you're a Stewart fan, you're, you're you know this guy has it in him. You know he has the speed. You know on one lap he could go faster than anyone in the whole wide world. And routinely he'll show you glimpses of it, but then often also hitting the ground and uh, like making you seem foolish forever picking him for a win of a championship or a race. So, yeah, if you're a fan of his, you got to get used to having the highs and lows of victory and uh, defeat, for sure. You know, like, like uh, I think Pingree called it, you know, cow, crash or win. And that's pretty much been the deal with him his whole career. It's been, the thing is, he's gotten older, it seems to be a little less of the winning and more of the crashing, but, you know, I don't know. Mike, my question is, Mike, do you think if you think Suzuki puts on any pressure on him to ride this weekend because they have no Baggett? You know, if he doesn't ride, they have nobody out on the track. Or do you think they do the smart thing and maybe let him set out on Racer Two? I can't imagine that they would put pressure on him to ride if he's not healthy. I mean, that's definitely not in their best interest, especially with a brain injury. Um, yeah, I was wondering about that too. I was wondering if they'll fill that in if, like. You know, I haven't heard anything about where he's at in the concussion protocol. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they get a fill-in rider or, you know, if Stu's out for some amount of time or how that plays out. I, I heard they're bringing Brian Swink back. <laughs> that would be entertaining. I mean, I, I would think they'd bring the truck there to play the bike, I would think. Well, you know, the 33 is out there unemployed. That's very true. Uh, we get to see if, if we're going to see Josh Grant at all in Supercross. I would doubt it, honestly. It seems like he's kind of over it a little bit, wants to, to just go on with the rest of his life. Um, but uh, definitely an idea to have uh, uh, the 33. But honestly, guys, I think Stewart is going to come back, and uh, he's going to race because I think he even knows that the, the – the clock is ticking down on the third period or the fourth quarter, rather, of uh, of his um, of his of his career, and he wants to uh, make the best of any opportunity he has for some success. But uh, enough about the number seven. Uh, let's talk about uh, the guys who uh, finished all twenty laps and uh, start them off with um, with the guy who's going to go into San Diego with the number one plate, um, Jason Anderson. Someone that I didn't pick for a, a win. I didn't even pick him for a top three. Uh, Tony, um, other than a few people saying that he looks fast in in, uh, in preseason training, uh, was there any indication that would tell us that uh, Anderson was going to walk in and uh, and steal the uh, the top spot this last weekend? Well, I think it's a test track horse that got ride, but you did hear a lot of talk from people who did see him how fast he was going. I think. It, not a big surprise. I mean, he did get second last year, like we talked last week on, on the podcast. And the kid is obviously has blazing speed. He was super fast two years ago, you know, in the 250 class. And I think it, he needed something to happen. Uh, I don't think a Dusty Falls that he might have, you know, might have had that race, but he seemed to get it 
I agree. You know, uh, um, in the in the case of Anderson, I feel like uh, much like many of these Anaheim one or first race, uh, first like first time winners at the first race, uh, he kind of needed a perfect storm for it to, do, to go exactly uh, how it needed to for him to win. But uh, can't take anything away from the guy uh, was in control during the late, late stages of the race, took home the win, and I don't think it's going to be his last one. Um, Mike, can he sustain this? Uh, and uh, it, if so. Does this screw with Seeley's head at all? Uh, yes and yes. I think he can. Um, I think, you know, I think he's a year older. Uh, you know, working with Alden is definitely making, a, I think, a huge positive impact on him. And, uh, yeah, I think he was in Seeley's head from, you know, about the time he pulled up onto his rear fender. You know, that goes back to their 250 days when he kept running them down and passing him for the win in the last bout. Um yeah, I think I think Jason is kind of going to go on a tear. What I found interesting was when I was watching the race Saturday night, a thought came into my head that I actually heard somebody else share this week uh, on Pulp Max. I can't remember who it was, maybe Steve. But for some reason, it reminded me of Mac on his first year, like 93. Uh, and I was like, for some reason, he, you know, it's like this second year or 94 whatever his second year was when all of a sudden he just started winning everything and it was for some reason it just reminded me of that um and i'm not saying in any way that you know he's the next mcgrath or anything like that but it was just i don't know there was just some sort of some similarity there uh that kind of reminded maybe his riding style the way he's running people down or something and then ran away with it but uh yeah I, i do think he can sustain it um and i think if he puts another you know, he gets on that top step again tonight or this weekend. I think, you know, he gets that little bit more confidence and gets into everybody else's head. I think it's going to be a really interesting series. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to San Diego to see what happens with that. You heard it here first. Mike Sweeney thinks that by 2019, uh, Jason Anderson is going to win all but one Supercross. That's uh, quite a bold statement, my friend. Yeah, we'll see. Only uh, 72 wins away from tying Mac, right? <laughs> Only 71 away from tying Well, oh, I'm sorry, 72 from beating him. That's right. He's got that. He's got um, that. What's that, five years, four years? What What are your thoughts on this, Tony? It's it's um, it, it's a bit of an oddity, winning your first one at the first race of the year. Uh, maintaining this is going to be the difficult portion. Uh, I, can, I kind of... Uh, I, like one thing that kind of popped into my head while I was watching is that this might play some head games with Cole Seeley, who he was coming in thinking like I'm going to be the top dog, but he thought that as well at the beginning of 2014 uh, for the 250 uh, West series. And uh, here comes Anderson, dethrones him, and uh, in my in my mind, Seeley never really captured that same uh, that same luster on the 250. Do you think that uh, maybe uh, Anderson stealing stolen some mojo from uh, the 14? I mean, you got to think that it probably did mess with Sealy a little bit when he saw Jason behind him. You know, some guys running you down several times. I know when we all, when I raced, I knew the guys that, you know, they were behind me, had my number, and you, you got nervous. And you know, other guys, you know that, okay, I got this guy, I'm not worried about him. So I'm sure yeah. that affects you to some extent. Uh, I'm sure Cole's very, I mean, he won a race last year. It's not like he thinks, oh, I can't do it. But he might have preferred. You know, it was somebody else behind him other than Jason. It might have might have contributed to him tightening up a little bit. Because he definitely seemed like 
he was riding well, and then all of a sudden kind of tightened up a little bit and let Jason just, you know, got a hook in him, and then it was done. So if he was to get a whole shot again and Jason's behind him, it wouldn't surprise him if it happened again. Um, I think Jason definitely I, – I don't know that I think he's going to be like MC in 93 and, you know, whip off nine wins or something crazy, but it wouldn't surprise me if he wins two or three more. Um, I, I still am a little worried that he might make those – uh, rookie type mistakes. He's seen the last couple of years to been willing to do something stupid, throw a race away here or there, and you really can't do that if you're going to be the, the champ. You're going to need to be consistent every week and have uh, take a fifth, take a sixth, take a third, whatever that is there. So yeah, he's shown already he has the speed to win. The question is, is he going to be able to be consistently at the front every week? You know, get the good starts, the passes, and not you know get tangled up with the big streets or some other number. Yeah, it, it will take some uh, self-control to not get mixed up into uh, some of the uh, extracurriculars, but uh, I think we've definitely shown that in his mind, Anderson uh, feels like he should be one of those top three, top uh, po- like top of the podium contenders every single weekend, and uh, yeah, I totally relate to that, like your statement about uh, having guys certain numbers, like there's just certain guys you pull up on the back of, and you, you know who they are, you know what their race tendency is, and uh, it's almost like the two of you both know that um, you're coming past, and uh, I think uh, Anderson might be in Sealy's head a little bit. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I think so too. So let's move straight on to uh, to Tomac and uh, a guy who I expected a little bit more out of, uh, although just coming off double shoulder surgery, uh, maybe expectations were a little bit high. Um, and I guess I'll start with uh, that with you, Tony. Uh, did we expect too much from Tomac, given the fact that he, uh, the last time we saw him, he was winning by 45 seconds? Me, personally, I, I think he did about like what I expected. Um, I think he'll show, really? okay. personally, I mean, I think when we talked about it last week, I, I didn't think he'd win. I thought he'd most likely, you know, be in a top five or whatever, because my concern is, just like you said, it's pretty come back from such a major injury. It wasn't like he sprained his ankle. You know, he had look at look how hard it's been for uh, you know Adam Cintarello to get back up to speed after jacking his shoulders up repeatedly. It's not an easy injury. You know, when you use your upper body for so much of the control of the motorcycle and strength necessary to hold on to a full fifty. And I'm sure he's in good shape, but is he in 100% riding shape? You know, that that might take a month or so of racing to get get up to where he feels comfortable. You know running that pace up front for 20 laps. Yeah, totally. I, I think uh, he might be in re- riding shape. I'm not sure if he's in racing shape. Like, uh, there's just certain things where they go on when you're when you're out there in a race situation that makes you tighten up a little bit, your breathing changes, and it's not really something that you can fully prepare for. It, it's You're not going to know how your body's going to react until you're out there. And uh, and then now he can kind of, um, I don't know if you can replicate during, that during the week, but uh, I hope I can... Uh, Tomac's better nights are ahead of them. I, I feel like he's going to be peaking towards the middle of the series, which is uh, kind of what you want. And now, uh, Mike, uh, my question to you as far as Eli Tomac go, goes, how many wins uh, is he going to have in 2016 going forward? We have 16 rounds to go. How many are going to have uh, Eli Tomac's name on them by the end of the season? I mark them for three to four. Uh, I agree with you. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna start gaining momentum. 
I think he's going to be better when he gets onto the East Coast with the rutted, nasty tracks, you know, back here that we have, like we had at the Meadowlands last year. Uh, and I think he's just going to continue getting his fitness back. Um, but, you know, I thought he looked great uh, this weekend, this past weekend. I thought he looked very good out there on the bike. you gotta, you got to account for the fact that you kind of got the triple whammy with not only coming back from injury, but also new bike to him. And also that bike is a new motorcycle to Kawasaki. It's, you know, it's a whole new model. They completely changed it. So it's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, little pieces that need to come together. And I think, uh, once they do for Eli, I think he's going to be fine. And I think, uh, I think he's going to string some wins together. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Fair enough. Now, uh, before we move on to a prediction for, uh, this, this weekend's race, um, Let's talk a little bit about the champ, Ryan Dungey. Um, Tony, like, uh, steady Eddie, he gets himself into second place. He does what the Dunge does. Um, was Is this business as usual for Ryan Dungey, or did you see anything from him uh, this last weekend that uh, kind of caught your eye? Well, the one thing I did see that I wasn't used to is him falling. Uh, he definitely crashed, I think, it was in the heat. And then in the main, he got taken up by Trey. So that's not normal. I was a little concerned about that, but I was impressed with how well he came back to fight back in the section. Um, seems like he's in great shape and didn't seem to be too phased by the adversity there and just kept looking. Honestly, I think if he doesn't get into a train, I think he's exactly where he needs to be. You know, he had a, a tough night where he fell a couple times and still got. That's probably the best you could hope for in that situation. Yeah, that's what Denji does. He he makes the makes a bad night great. He makes a terrible night not so bad, and uh, still ends up on the podium. And uh, it's starting out uh, the, the 2016 season, uh, like it's kind of business as usual. I think he's going to win some races this year. Uh, probably. Uh, own the points lead for a good portion of it and uh, is my personal uh, title favorite. So uh, we'll, I, I think uh, um, more good days ahead for Ryan Dungey and uh, ultimately a championship. What do you think there, Mike? Yeah, it's, it's tough to argue with. You know, he's just, uh, you know, Dunge just does what Dungey does. He just uh, he just puts it up on the box every single weekend, stays consistent, waits for his opponents to make mistakes and, uh, capitalizes on him. So uh, I'm still trying to figure out why aren't they calling him Iceman, like Top Gun? You know, <laughs> it's like because he does the same thing, man. He waits for that guy to make a mistake, and he just jumps all over you, puts it on the box, and counts the points. Yeah, that that's because uh, the the commentators over at Supercross are not nearly as creative as we are. That has to be it. Yeah, <laughs> it would be a good nickname for um, because Brock Kepler already had it. They don't want to use it. I guess, but uh, Brock Eppler's stay in, in professional motocross is far too brief for him to own a, uh, yeah. a nickname like that. And I yeah. think, he, I think, I think uh, he, has, he is the Iceman, but... I like the hamburger Hepler one. He literally... Sorry? Did you ever a DMXS called him Hamburger Hepler? So I like that one better. Yeah. I like that too. You know what? You know what? I, I'm a big guy when it comes to uh, nicknames, and between Iceman and Fat Cat, like it's all good, man. <laughs> He's even got that Iceman haircut a little bit. Dunch does. Yeah, he does actually. 
Well, uh, let's throw it to commercial quickly on the Big MX Radio podcast. We'll be right back and discuss a little bit of San Diego as uh, we're coming in hot on a Thursday evening, getting ready for uh, the gate to drop on Saturday night. We'll be right back on Big MX Radio. Cowboy Kenny Bartram here. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're going to commercial, but don't go away. We'll be right back. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat-absorbing liner and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Indigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. When it comes to helmets, there is just one. The helmet brand that is. Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmets because they're simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12 the J32, and all of the colorways that are absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. The 2014 X-Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter X, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X-Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X-Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear-offs, zip-off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. 
All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, if they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 204-633-2722. Bill's Pipes, the home of legendary performance. Since 1974, Bill's Pipes has been providing motocross and off-road riders the performance they need. Two-stroke or four-stroke, Bill's Pipes has the exhaust system for you. In recent years, we've seen a resurgence of the Bill's Pipes brand, and that's great news. And that's great news for motocross racers everywhere. For four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to dominate the fight on any brand. For you two-stroke guys, the MX2 Bill's Pipes exhaust system is the right one for the job and comes in works, nickel, and the all-new cone look finish that'll turn heads all day long. Head to BillsPipes.com right now and get the same pipe used by Billy Lidinovich, Vicky Golden, the JMR Suzuki team, Jesse Pierce, Nico Izzy, and David Cole. Bill's Pipes is craftsmanship at its finest. So go with Bill's Pipes and never settle. And we're back, still on the line with uh, two of my favorite guys, uh, Mike Sweeney, uh, motocross photographer of the stars. He's captured all kinds of amazing uh, photos over the years, both uh, of in the, set, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, uh, some great photos. And of course, motocross historian himself. Tony Blazer, guys, let's let's talk a little bit about San Diego. Let's jump into the 450s uh, right off the hop. And Tony, um, before I get your prediction for a top three, uh, who's coming into 2000, uh, San Diego most confident to do well for uh, the 450 class? Well, I mean, I think you'd have to say Jason Anderson, obviously, after winning last week. That's a brainer. Um, I think you also would say that. Ryan Dungey, obviously, he had a great ride there to come back to second. 
I gotta think there's a couple guys that can feel good. I think Chad Reed actually feels good. He, he was uh, he did better than I expected. He looked pretty comfortable on the Yamaha. He didn't get on the podium, but it would not surprise me going into San Diego if he puts it on the podium. He can do his rides really well there and has kind of the first race jitters out from under him. And I think he could definitely show something this week. I think if he gets up in the uh, top five at the start, I think he's just down for the podium this week, personally. There you go. I totally agree. Um, I think uh, if if uh, if Reedy's feeling right, he could definitely pull off something like that. And uh, before I throw it over to Mike with his question, uh, can you give me your top uh, top three prediction for uh, San Diego? Yeah, San Diego. Actually, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I thought he was going to be. No, Tony's uh, Tony's prediction first. I think I call it. Uh, I think it's going to be Ryan Bungie first. I think. Uh, Trey Kennard second and Chad Reed Ooh, Okay, so big. Uh, the the only common denominator there over last weekend is uh, is the Dunge, although that's not too surprising. But uh, a bit of a, a, a jumble up for the the top five as you you pick uh, two of uh, your your points leader is going to be off the podium. I, I think I think Jason comes in and uh, probably rides a little bit off the Marna and he ends up uh, dropping it. Fair enough. Now, uh, Mike, um, who is most worried about their A1 uh, performance the most? And uh, and and then give me your uh, prediction for the top three. For 450 class, uh, who's the most worried? Yes. I guess it's Justin yes. Barsha. Um, I agree. You know, he kind of went backwards, and I guess he pumped up. But you kind of wonder, I mean, you kept hearing all off season, you know, and if you follow him on social media, you saw him doing nothing but biking, 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 and, you know, you heard a lot of talk about how great a shape he was in, and uh, I don't know, maybe it was just opening night jitters, and that caused his arms to pump up, um, and I hope for his sake that's all it was, because I'd really love to see Justin out there in the mix. Um, you know, I think I think it, it's only good for the sport seeing him out there. Um, so I think he has, uh, I think he he needs to fix a few things from, uh, from last weekend and going forward. And as far as uh, we're back to kind of the normal SoCal Supercross track this weekend, right? Like a stride out up there, so going to be more of the hard pack blue groove. Is that what's going on for San Diego? I believe so, yes. Yeah, that's what I thought too. So for my one, two, three, I think the two, two has some swagger. And you could hear it if you listen to his interview on Pulp this week. Um, you know, he's just got that confidence again, and you can just hear it in his voice. And that, you know, he loves San Diego, man. He just, he loves racing in San Diego and he, he just knows he's going to do well. And, uh, you know, he's happy with his bike. So, you know, happy 2 2, confident 2 2. I think that's going to lead to a top three finish without a problem. Uh, and then I think he's going to throw, uh, I think Jason Anderson's going to be right back in there. I think, uh, Kenny Waxman's going to be in there. Um, I think Kenny's going to be kind of angry about his race last week and he had some good speed. Um, and he does well on these hard tracks. And he's also, he's, he seems to start strong at the beginning of the season, then fade. It's kind of been his MO for the last few years. So I'm looking for a, for a strong race out of Kenny this weekend. There you go. Uh, Kenny, Kenny back up on that, uh, on that R, RCH Suzuki. Now let's move over to the 250 class. Um, I know we didn't talk too much about them on the, uh, before, as far as A1 went, and I guess we should touch on them a little bit, um, can Cooper Webb be perfect? I think he can. Um, I, I'll, 
I believe that if nothing goes terribly wrong for the guy, he should win every race. He's got more speed than anybody in the class, I think. And even if he gets a bad start, he's shown that he can run for the front. I think unless he does something really stupid and cartwheels himself or gets mixed up with somebody coming through the back, I think he, I think he can run a day with I, I totally agree. I see Cooper Webb this year like uh, a little bit like Marvin Muskan was last year, a 450 guy riding in the 250 class. He's just he's got more speed, he's got more confidence, and you got a kid that um, like he's come out of amateurs and just like steadily risen to where he's at right now. The guy hasn't really like faltered too much at all. He's just kind of like uh, done the. Uh, the expected progression where you go from being kind of like a, a mid to a, a close to the top five guy in the first year and then stealing wins last year and now he's a bona fide uh, championship winner. I think he's going to roll. I think the only thing that's going to stop him from winning is a, is a, is a fall on his, his part. I think the only person who can beat Cooper Webb in this series is Cooper Webb. I agree. It's pretty amazing. It's almost Cooper's kind of like the same deal they had with Brian Villafoto and Michael Lessie. Had AC uh, pretty much stealing all the headlines there, people kind of in the shadow a little bit, and they turn pro. Sometimes it isn't the other way around. It's pretty amazing when that happens. Yeah, I hope AC when he comes back this year is, is back up front. But Cooper's uh, pretty amazing, you know. He's, he's definitely on the right track, and I think he can win every race this year. How crazy would it be if you have Cooper Webb go perfect on the East? or the West, uh, Adam Cincerello go perfect on the East, and then the two of them meet up in Vegas. That would be awesome. It's not going to happen, but it would be awesome. It's not going to happen, but it would be both. I, I still like to dream. Um, and, and Mike, with, uh, with Jesse Nelson out, collarbone and concussion, who now poses the only threat to uh, Cooper Webb's perfect season in Supercross? I think you got to go with the 16. I think Zach, he looks real good. You know, he's actually, he surprised me how well he did. Um, you know, I knew he was going to be fast. Uh, thinking back to last year, he had some great races. He had all those mix-ups with Tyler Bowers. Uh, so I guess I shouldn't be as surprised as I was. But I thought he looked really strong. And I think he's uh, I think he's going to continue to gain momentum. And uh, I don't know if he's going to have anything for Cooper because, Coop's just a special talent. You know, he's taken it next level. It's just like, I just want to put that kid on the 450 now and let him mix it up with the big boys. So, uh, yeah, I think Zach, Zach is going to uh, be the only one. But, you know, if Cooper loses, it's going to be because he beat himself. Fair enough, boys. Well, uh, coming into uh, the um, in San Diego, um, who needs to have that breakout ride, who needs to improve off of A1, who had a uh, not-so-great A1? Tony, who is that rider in the 250 class that is, A, most worried about their performance and uh, need to pull up their socks a little bit in the 250 class? Um, I don't know if I'd say he's worried about his performance, but I think Christian Craig, uh, who's shown he has plenty of speed, but... Uh, has also showed the propensity to crash, kind of like Malcolm uh, Stewart in the past. I think Christian, I would love to see him keep it on two wheels and put the bike at least in the top five, if not in the box this weekend. I think with, especially with some of the guys being out, and I think his opportunity showed he has the speed. If he gets a good start and he doesn't become stupid like running into a closer guy, 
Uh, he should be up front. And I, I think he's a guy who needs to, needs to show that he deserves to have that ride and he's put it up front. Fair enough. And, uh, and Mike, um, who is the least predictable rider in the least predictable class uh, in motocross? Um, if you look at the start list from uh, the Supercross class, like who is the least predictable rider? And I haven't practiced. Uh, I don't know what to expect from this asshole. Uh, I think you have to go with the human lawn dart, Zach Bell. Yes, I agree. I Super <laughs> fast. And super lawn dartish. Uh, it, the, you can, oh yeah, uh, he could be top <laughs> five, and exactly. he might not make the uh, he might not make the night show. Like, yeah, ex- he might exactly. The odds of him finishing on the podium and leaving the stadium in an ambulance were equally the same. So you never know what you're going to get with Zach. But, um, going back to Christian Craig, do you think he kind of overpressured himself last week and will be better going forward? That's kind of what I was wondering. I think so. I, I think it's uh, he's he's more like his old man than he'd ever like to uh, admit. Um, I think the pressure yeah, kind of got true. to him a little bit and uh, tightened up, and yeah, it's fair, shades of Stingray. Yep. Yeah, I saw his old man a bunch of times, man. It's scary how similar their riding style is. First uh, piece of motocross memorabilia I ever got, and I'm sure it's super rare because he didn't race the whole season up here, a number 99 Mike Craig uh, Blackfoot Honda front number plate sticker. Nice. That's pretty sweet. That's cool. What year was that? Uh, 2000, 2000, I believe. 2000 or 01. I think it's 01. Wow. Mike, he's got a lot of a career he had. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think I, I think he his last it was also his last year racing in the states as well because he rode for Planet Hondo at number thirty nine. Yep. Wow. Fair enough. Yeah, that's crazy. We're gonna wrap this thing up, guys. Oh, appreciate always appreciate you get, giving me uh, some uh, some some great feedback, talking moto, um, and we don't have to hang up just yet. But uh, for for uh, the, for the love of God and all things editing, uh, I'll get your top ten or your top threes from the two fifty class, starting with Mike, and uh, finish off with Tony, and that'll be it. Mike two fifty. 250 top three? Yes. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to call, uh, I'm going to call, well, we already know who's going to be on the top box. We're going to say Cooper Webb. Yes. I'm going to go Cooper Webb. Uh, I'm going to go Zach. And I'm actually going to go for the huge improvement of the season so far, even though it's only been second week. I'm going to go Christian Craig on third place. Christian Craig. Okay. And, uh, and Tony? Man, I was gonna. You know, it's so funny. I was gonna pick the exact same thing. Um, okay, I'll mix it up. I'll I'll go with. Um, I think Cooper was gonna win. Obviously, I would say uh, Savachi for second, and uh, Zach the third. I I, I agree. With, you know, I I think uh, I think you guys have both hit the nail on the head. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll give you my prediction both 450 and 250 because I forgot to tell you mine. For the 450s, um, I'm going for 450s. I'm going uh, Dunge, Tomac, and Stu because I think he's going to race, and I think he's 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 going to settle for a third place. Uh, and uh, that is very bold, sir. Hey, I'm. I, 
maybe it's the cold getting to me, but I, I think the stew, I think stew is going to have an okay night. Um, and uh, for the 250 class, I think it's going to be Cooper Webb, uh, Zach Osborne, and rounding out your your top three, getting his first podium and bettering his best finish by one is going to be Jordan Smith. I think he stays off the ground. Bold call. Bold call. Both uh, both my third spots are a little bit of a dark horse, but uh, I hope I'm right. Yeah, good luck. It could be good. Do I, do I get to predict four fifties? I I thought you did. No, I did not do the four fifty. Oh, okay. Then give me your four fifty podium. Or did I? Did I? I? I don't think I did. I thought you did. Either way, Either I'm going to go. Chad Reed, the two two. Yeah. Then the ninety four, and then the five. So you think Chad's going to win? Outside the box, baby. I'm outside the box. Okay, well... Uh, wow, I, I like this pick. I like this pick. I, I think we'd all be a fan of seeing uh, Reedy win, especially in San Diego. I think uh, capturing um, a win at both Petco and uh, Qualcomm would be, uh, well, first of all, something that no one's ever done, but uh, that'd be pretty cool. Um <laughs> But yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast, guys. Really appreciate you uh, giving me some feedback, and uh, we'll, we'll do this again sometime soon. Uh, hopefully, uh, with uh, some some smoother uh, phone connections. Sounds good. That would be a good thing. Awesome. Have a good night, guys. You too. All right, you too. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.